it boosted his dopamine level, his reward predictor. Yeah, I can do it. I can do it. So it's just that little comment because it surprised him. Surprise! We're talking about neuroscience next. And now it's time for another edulicious episode of the Bentley Brothers Podcast, bringing you what's current and what works in education. Here are your hosts, Scott and Tim Bentley. Bentley Brothers, Bentley, Bentley Brothers, bringing education information like no other. Bentley Brothers, yep. Bentley, Bentley Brothers, bringing education information like no other. Yep. First name Bentley, last name Brothers, bringing education information like no others. Yep. With Scott, another Scott. fun show. I am just so looking forward to just sitting back and being a student and just learning. How about you? Absolutely. It's yeah. uh, hard to believe that, uh, Tim. We're almost seven years into this. Is that real? And we haven't killed each other yet. <laughs> well, it's been close. <laughs> so uh, let's talk real quickly about Global School Play Day uh, before we get into the show with our guest. And uh, yeah, Tim, I was excited to see NPR picking up on that story and sharing it out about Global School Play Day and the impact it's had and is going to continue to have because play is so vital for kids healthy development, uh, both socially, emotionally, and in, in learning as well, right, Tim? That's right. And we teachers, we educators can contribute to helping kids get back into unstructured play, which they're really not doing much of anymore, uh, by just doing a few simple things. You know, first of all, go to globalschoolplayday.com, sign up for the big event that's coming up this February, the first Wednesday in February. And then the other thing we can do is we can be playing more with our kids and encouraging our parents of the students in our class to just get them outside, take the devices away for a little while, let them play, uh, and, and maybe schedule a few less things in their lives. And uh, so just combination of all this, and we can see kids developing in a more appropriate way like they used to, like we used to when we were kids, right, Scott? Yeah, I guess we were, we're okay. Yeah, <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Hey, but. Tim, I can't tell you this. It's, I feel like every PD I go to, I just went to one yesterday. And uh, by the way, I apologize. I'm a little bit under the weather today. But every PD I go to, they talk about how we need to infuse play. Like yesterday, it was about math and how we need to have the kids playing with numbers. It's, it's like almost every PD. And I, I kind of tear up and just say, yes, we need to have the kids playing more as they're learning and as they're growing. And um, Let's do this, peeps. Right on. So we have on the show today with us Michael Roussel. He is the associate an associate professor at uh, Southern Oregon University. He has been uh, he has just a wealth of experience in education. He's been an elementary school teacher, a middle school teacher, a high school teacher, a college professor. Uh, he's taught in Canada. He uh, has spent the last fourteen years or so as a professor professor of teacher education. He's training people like you and me, Scott. And uh, he is an expert on neuroscience. We're going to learn today about formative moments. Is that right, Michael? That's right. And uh, I, I want to do a disclaimer here. I'm not an expert on neuroscience, but I am an expert on the neuroscience of surprise. The neuroscience? Well, you just surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very narrow. It's very narrow, but it's very important too. Oh, I can't wait. Just get us started and uh, give us the, the synopsis of what we're going to learn about today from you. 
Okay, well, um, I've been studying uh, formative moments and how they take place for actually three decades now. And I collect stories from mostly my students, but I also look at celebrities and listen to stories. And <clears throat> I've got over a thousand stories. And, and a formative moment is a moment that changes you, a moment that changes how you think about things, generally about yourself. And as I looked at these thousands of stories, or hundreds and hundreds of stories, I found out that the precursor to most of them was actually a moment of surprise. So what are, what are you going to do now? Well, you have to study surprise. So I read everything, did all the research, and looked at all the research on surprise. And it's really kind of fascinating because uh, even though we are surprised and it's ubiquitous in our life, we really don't know that much about it as teachers uh, and about the strategic use of surprise. Now, let me give you an example of how surprise actually creates a formative moment. I recently did a TED talk, and uh, it was on the power of surprise. And, you know, it comes out a few months later. They publish it, and it's, it's on YouTube. And I was looking at it, and I thought, oh, gosh, I really liked it. But I the only problem I had was I thought my pauses didn't work very well. I was pretty anxious about that, and I thought it was... It was interfering with my message, and I was worried about it. And I, but other than that, I thought it went really well. So fast forward a couple of months, and I'm talking to this author in, uh, in London. And he says, he wrote to me, he said, hey, I uh, saw your TED Talk. It looked pretty good, very engaging. And what I noticed was how good you were with the pause. You're the master of the pause. <laughs> Boom. Now, now, that totally surprised me because I thought that was my biggest weakness. So in that one comment, he turned my biggest weakness into an asset. In one comment, it was an instant change. And, and, and it wasn't just, uh, okay, now I'm the master of the pause. No, before that, I, I used to pause and worry about it. Is that enough? And I used to give it a lot of thought. But now I pause strategically. I'm confident. After all, I am the master of the pause. And so, it, so I use it comfortably now. I'm very confident with the pause. Okay, so when you talk about surprise, you don't mean like the teacher jumps out from behind a desk and like <laughs> not that kind of surprise, right? Yeah, yeah let's call that the startle. Okay. And, uh, yeah. <clears throat> no, uh, and that's a really good point because, you know, if you go outside to cut your lawn and you start the lawnmower and you look up and there's a zebra, you're going to be surprised. You know, and if you went out for a coffee with your friend and you were at Starbucks and uh, you look up and there's, there's, there's that person that you thought, your friend who you thought was in Europe and, the, and she came back and she surprised you. Bang, that's a surprise. Those would be really interesting events, but they didn't change you. No, the kind of, change, the kind of surprise I study are the surprises that happen to your self-esteem or to your self-identity that change how you assess yourself. Those are the interesting surprises. Those are the formative moments. Having a zebra or a friend show up unexpected is surprising, but it doesn't change you. So I kind of restrict myself to formative moments. <laughs> so explain what this would look like in a classroom. Uh, you're saying that, are, do you want teachers to create moments of surprise? Do you want, is it just something that has to happen? Uh, kind of spontaneously? Uh, do we build upon these moments of surprise? You know, what does this actually look like? Okay, well, that's, that's a really good question. And, and I do want teachers, and I teach my teachers in training, how to use surprise strategically as a belief formation opportunity. 
Now, uh, but let me just talk about dopamine because it's the important part about surprise, it really works well, is this neurotransmitter called dopamine. Now, uh, surprise is essentially an error message. Surprise means you, the way you expect things to unfold during your day, your expectations, your prediction is an error. Something just happened. Now, Schultz out of Cambridge has shown us that surprise uh, is a big burst of dopamine, and it just go bang, and, it, and, and it's actually a two-phase burst. The first phase says, stop what you're doing. Pay close attention. So it's this huge, massive burst, a neurological burst of dopamine. Now, dopamine is our motivator and neurotransmitter. It's the one that says, do this or don't do that. That's, that's, what, that's the whole role of dopamine. For example, if you were walking down the street and you decided you wanted to have a bite to eat and you turn to the diner and you look at the diner on the left and you look in the window and it looks dirty and it doesn't look very interesting and the, food, the menu doesn't look that good, your dopamine level just drops a little bit saying, don't go in there. Not much of a reward to predict, to predict there. So you go across the street. And then when you go across the street, you look in, you, you look in the window and you see exciting waitresses and they're happy and they're moving around. And your dopamine level rises just a little bit. That's your motivator neurotransmitter saying, hey, the likelihood of getting a, a reward here, a good lunch, is high. So your dopamine is, your motor, is, a, is a reward predictor. So when you have a surprise and you get this big burst of dopamine, it says pay close attention. And then you get the second phase, and it only lasts a few milliseconds. The second phase actually says stop and learn instantly, just like I did when I got that comment about being the master of surprise. And the reason we learn instantly is because, you know, our ancestors, when they were surprised, it was either imminent danger or immense opportunity. If you stop to think about it, you probably perished and didn't make it into the gene pool. So what happens is a surprise is a two, two bursts of dopamine. The first burst says, stop what you're doing. The second burst says, learn instantly. So what does this look like in the classroom? Well, um, I collect a lot of my stories from my students. Now, uh, and Cindy tells me this story that uh, she, she used to worry that she wasn't intelligent enough because she used to write her exams very slowly. And so she's in the library writing her exam very slowly and everybody's finished and she's getting very anxious and she's worried about not being very smart. And the teacher walks by, everybody, everybody else is gone. The teacher walks by and says, your willingness to work slowly is the sure sign of a gritty learner. Boom! Comment surprised her. So now, whenever she works on an exam, she works slowly. And she works slowly, confidently, because after all, she's a gritty learner. That all happened in one moment. She, that teacher changed what was a weakness, presumed weakness, to an asset. And that's what it looked like in the classroom. So now she's more prone. Before, she, her dopamine level for working slowly was low. And now her dopamine level for working slowly is high. It's an indicator of her gritty, grittiness. Yeah, I can, I can uh, remember pulling uh, something kind of like that with one of my students who I knew was struggling at, uh, I taught at a K-8, Michael, and 
he was up in a, a algebra class and I knew I had a big test. And so I asked the teacher if I could put a little surprise note on the third page of his test, a little post-it just saying, I believe in you, I know you can do this. And uh, Raphael to this day still remembers that and came back, you know, you know, many years later and shared about that little note that, you know, um, those little things that you can do for that surprise sound like they can be things like that. True? Oh, absolutely. That's a good point. You know, because we don't tend to remember surprises. We tend to, a surprise is basically a negative event, but we can have positive surprises and negative surprises. And the reason we call them positive or negative is because we tend to blend that neurological burst of dopamine with the emotion that follows. So in your case with Raphael, he was surprised by that comment, but then he blended it with uh, your belief in him that he was capable. And what that did is it boosted his dopamine level, his reward predictor. Yeah, I can do it. I can do it. So it's just that little comment because it surprised him. And if it hadn't surprised him, it wouldn't have hurt. It was a great little comment. It shows lots of encouragement and support. But a surprise, because surprise is a neurological burst. What it does is it boosts the emotion that follows and the message that follows. And what it does is it stimulates all these axons, axons and dendrites in the brain, and it creates this emphatic pathway. And what do we call an emphatic pathway? It's a way of seeing and doing things. It's a belief. And that's how it creates a belief, instantly. Yeah, that's uh, really hitting home with me right now. I just think of what happened actually today in my classroom. I've got this student, I teach fifth grade, and I've got this student in my class who I'm pretty sure most of the time he's spent in school, he's just heard a bunch of bad things about himself. Yeah. Uh, you know, just how he doesn't cooperate, he doesn't do his work, and he gets in trouble, you know, over his behavior. And today he was in the classroom and he walked over and pushed in another kid's chair. And I jumped on that and I'm, I, I won't use his name because <laughs> I don't want to do that. But uh, I just said, Hey, you know, let's call him Joe or whatever. I'm like, Joe, that is so awesome. You are such a helpful kid. You're like pushing in other people's chairs. That's not even your responsibility. And look what you're doing. And then what he did was, of course, he went around pushing in everybody's chair and then when we, this was before we were walking out to lunch. And then at the end of the day, I'm walking the kids out at, you know, to the front of the school. And I look back in the classroom and there's Joe again in the classroom. What is he doing? Putting kids chairs up on their desk. They didn't put their chairs up. And so he saw himself as being helpful. And then when I walked out to the front of the school with him, I'm like, you are one of the most helpful kids I've ever seen. I can't believe it. And so I hope that that will propel him to bigger and better things in school and he'll you like coming to school now, right? <laughs> wow. You know, uh, can, I, can I use your example? That was such a clear example of when you, because when he, was do, when he was doing that behavior, he was expecting ridicule or expecting the wrath of the teacher, and you surprise him by saying something positive. And that's one of the strategic ways that teachers can use surprise strategically is to, when, when a student expects your wrath, Give them a compliment and tell them what they're doing. And, and so you're, you're really on fire there. What, one of the things that I've learned is that no matter what the student is doing, there's something in there that's purposeful and you can use. You know, the student who's struggling with math, struggling with math. 
So you, you say to the student who's struggling with math, wow, your ability to stay with it is a sure sign of a strong learner. If you surprised them, boom. Now the next time they struggle with math, hmm, their dopamine level rises a little bit because after all, they're a strong learner. And so you're predicting rewards. So you use whatever you see. I, I had a student who was struggling with math a lot and in the struggles with their math. And she, she was actually in the early, early elementary education program. And she thought, I'm going to drop out. I don't really don't do math well. And I know when I, once I start to teach fourth or fifth grade, I'm going to have to teach math. And I'm just not very good at math. And then a math instructor said, the people who struggle most with math make the best math teachers because they have to look at math in so many different ways. Boom. There was that surprise. Now it's her favorite subject. Who would have guessed? Well, you, you would have guessed because you already used surprise strategically. Hey, Michael, I have a question about this. It feels, um, I, I, I love what you're saying. It feels like there should be a cautionary asterisk that surprise could also work to make a kid feel um, less involved or less successful. If they think they're doing well and you're like, surprise, you, you are doing horrible or something like right, that. I right. can't imagine saying that to a student, but you know, I, I know it's like, like, I feel like there's a cautionary note that surprising kids in a negative way could also lead to um, that negative reinforcement and negative behaviors or negative self-esteem in some way. Well, you're absolutely right. And, uh, and there is, and there's surprise. If you use surprise, it can create harm as instantly and as deeply and profoundly as it can positive benefits. And uh, so if a student is expecting any kind of a comment and, and you surprise them with the comment, you have to be really alert to watch for a surprise response. And they're not always clear. Let me give you an example. Um, Keith was a music student and he wanted to, he wanted to work at music. He wanted to become a, a performer and he worked really well and he got lots of accolades. He did really well. He was at the church and he would sing and everybody go, wow, Archie's just awesome. So Keith was doing great. Now, what he did was uh, he was commenting to his aunt and his aunt said, oh, so you're going to be a really big singer, aren't you? Oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard. I'm going to go to the university. I'm going to practice uh, singing and I'm going to work really hard and I want to become professional. And she said, well, give me a little song. And he got all nervous and said, uh, 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 I, I, I don't usually sing on demand like that. And she turned to him and she, and she said, hey, if you can't sing on demand, then you really haven't got what it takes to be a, teacher, uh, to be a singer. Boom. Oh. So he he, he uh, dropped out of the music program. Because the comment, and it's exactly what you're saying, Scott, what the comment did was it surprised him and the surprise, the result of the surprise, boom, pay close attention. What's your new belief? And the new belief was you don't have what it takes. Yeah, I, I think the reason I, I, I feel that is because um, I remember a surprise negative moment uh, from learning in school, thinking I was great at math, and then being told that I wasn't so great. <laughs> It made me um, have a little bit of a, a change in heart towards math itself, and uh, that happened in middle school for me. So that I can see how we need to really take this all as a 
way we can use it positively to reinforce things in the classroom and learning and then also a cautionary note that our, our words are really powerful as teacher to students and to be cautious and caring about how we use those and really thoughtful and intentional uh, is, is really vital. You're absolutely right. And even having uh, really good intentions isn't arms against that. It can still happen even with really good intentions. Oh, you're, you're trying so hard, honey. That's okay. I'm sure you have other gifts. You know, you got to avoid things like that. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. I know for me, I, I'm thinking back to a moment where I had a surprise um, several years ago. My the present I got you for your birthday? <laughs> that, no? Yeah, that zebra you got me. Uh, <laughs> several years ago, I was uh, asked to teach a, a lesson in front of a bunch of administrators who were being trained on how to coach teachers. So they were using me like as the guinea pig, right? And so I'm kind of getting a little puffed up. I'm like, oh, the principal picked me to do this. That's pretty cool. So I'm teaching this lesson. I'm all confident and thinking that, you know, I just can't wait to have those you know, the, the, the trainer show the administrators how they can tell me that I was doing a great job. And they pulled me into this little room and they told me a couple of things that I did well. And then the person said, do you realize that when, and they probably didn't say it exactly like this, but they said, do you realize that when you taught that concept, you skipped over a bunch of sub concepts and you really confused the kids and you didn't break it down into as many parts as you should have in order to effectively teach that to them. And I was just like, I mean, I'll never forget that moment. I was like, wow. I, and so was it a negative one? Yes. But it also, first of all, it humbled me, mm. <laughs> you know, which was a good thing. And secondly, it really made me analyze my teaching a lot more closely. And I feel like I became a better teacher because of that negative moment. Now they weren't ripping on me and saying, you're a bad teacher and you should just give up teaching. But the fact that I was kind of surprised in a negative way actually was able to be propelled into something positive, I believe in my life and in my career. What do you think of that, Michael? I think that's a great story. And it's a really good example of when you get a surprise, you end up with an instant new belief right after it. And you already had this very strong belief that you were a good teacher. And you took this as feedback. It was, the, the, the feedback wasn't, you're not a good teacher. The feedback was, you got to pay more attention to the, these details that you just got criticized for. And like you said, that became just a, that's something that you do very carefully now and it's very strategic, isn't it? It's something that you're very mindful of. And so that's what happened. It wasn't you as an identity so much as it was a surprise. And when, that, when you got that surprise, boom, it created dopamine. So now that dopamine says, pay close attention here. You don't want to fail again. Yes, for sure. All right, so uh, I understand you have a new book coming out. Uh, we're going to run out of time here pretty soon. So can you tell our listeners what are they going to get out of this book besides, I, I understand you can't tell us the title yet, uh, but <laughs> no. what, are the, what are the listeners going to get out of this book be, by reading that besides the things that you've told us now? Maybe give us a couple little quick items that, uh, to look forward to. Well, I will tell you this, that there's a lot of nuances in what we're talking about here, and I'm going to give you a couple of little the little nuances, but because I know that you have a real practical audience and they're listening for good ideas. When you deliver a comment like this, it's best if you deliver as a declarative statement, like your, you know, your ability to work slowly is going to help you become a strong learner rather than 
hey, your ability to go slowly is really going to help you. If you say it like it's praise, it's going to get dismissed as empty praise and, you know, and manipulative like praise often is. So you have to deliver your comments like they're descriptive, just like, you know, you're wearing a blue shirt today. That's pretty descriptive. Your ability to listen carefully is going to help you learn this thoroughly. So anytime you give comments like that, just like you did with the with, with your student was it student with the pushing in the chairs yeah and, yes. and and part part of the what you delivered there is if you want someone to be surprised you acted surprised hey yes you're really good at this and so that surprise that's one of the things we can do with mirror neurons if you act surprised and you generate surprise you could trigger surprise in the person you're talking to so there's a few little nuances if you want to surprise somebody act surprised and when you deliver a comment deliver it like it's a declarative statement love it so awesome. uh can you give our listeners a, a website or anything like that to follow up with you and learn more from the great Michael Roussel. <laughs> Thanks very much, Tim. Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah, they can just simply go to my, I have a website. It's myname.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-R-O-U-S-E-L-L.com, michaelrosell.com. And um, I have my podcast. I have my TED Talk and my other book and stuff that's out there. Take a look if you like it. Michael, this is all so helpful, so helpful to us as teachers, and we really appreciate you sharing these ideas with us. I hope that our listeners go out and go to your website, get your book when it comes out. Do you have any idea when it will be coming out? No, uh, right now, it, uh, the most promising, uh, it's with uh, Oxford University Press. But, you know, they, they get to decide the title. I've done this before, and they, they're usually pretty good at it. You know, they've done this before, too. Yeah, yeah, they, uh, they're in charge, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> Pulling the strings. So uh, anyway, yeah, check that out. Uh, when it comes out, go to Michael's website and learn more. And uh, I also want to say that we really appreciate anybody that takes the time to go on to Stitcher or iTunes or whatever uh, format you're finding our podcast on. Give us a review. Hopefully, it'll be all the stars. And uh, that's how we get the word out about the Bedley Brothers. And we really appreciate everybody listening. But most of all, we appreciate. Hey, Mom and Dad. Mom and Dad. We love you, Mom and Dad. Happy anniversary. So I could be one of those Bedley Brothers. Mm hmm. Yeah. Bedley Brothers, Bedley, Bedley Brothers, bringing education information like